Krishna, <clears throat> dear devotees, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books, right here in Hive, translated in Anglo-Saxon as Haven, therefore it's become a haven for hearing Srila Prabhupada's books. We're in southeast England, in Kent, just near the English Channel. We've got an honored guest, Bhakta Matt, from London, who was from Houston and before that, South Africa, a long time ago. Uh, we welcome him with all affection. And all of you, we hope you're safe and sound and in this topsy-turvy world we're living in now. We never know what's going to happen. Srimad uh, Bhagavata Mahima Stotram <coughs> from the Sri Krishna Lila Stava is a stotra. Uh, written by Srila Sanatana Goswami, glorifying the Srimad Bhagavatam. But, because Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita and he spoke the Uddhava Gita in the Bhagavatam itself, in the Canto, we take it that both of them are literary incarnations of Krishna. And therefore, we read this every morning or every evening before we read the Bhagavad Gita goes like this Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha <coughs> Sarva Vedaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja Sarva Lokaika Drikprada <coughs> O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures singular fruit of all the Vedas rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kali Dwandodita Ditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Prema Varshakshadayate Sarvadasavasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna himself. Badekabando Matsanging Madguro Man Mahadana Manistadagamad Bhagya Mad Anandanamostute. My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy. I bow down to you. Asadu sadhuta dayin atini chuchata kara hanamun chakadachin mam premna ritkanta yokspura. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. 
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya 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 All right Bhagavad Gita as it is chapter 3 Karma Yoga beginning with text 39 avritam jnanametena jnanino nityabhayarina kama rupena kaunteya dushpurena nalena cha thus the wise, wise living entities pure consciousness becomes covered by his eternal enemy in the form of lust, which is never satisfied and which burns like fire. <laughs> Purport. It is said in the Manu Smriti <clears throat> that lust cannot be satisfied by any amount of sense enjoyment. Just as fire is never extinguished by a constant supply of fuel, in the material world, the center of all activities is sex. And thus this material world is called Maitunya Agara, or the shackles of sex life. In the ordinary prison house, criminals are kept within bars. Similarly, the criminals who are disobedient to the laws of the Lord are shackled by sex life. Advancement of material civilization on the basis of sense gratification means increasing the duration of the material existence of a living entity. Therefore, this lust is the symbol of ignorance by which the living entity is kept within the material world. While one enjoys sense gratification, it may be that there is some feeling of happiness, but actually, that so-called feeling of happiness is the ultimate enemy of the sense enjoyer. Text 40 Plain Talk by Śrīla Prabhupāda himself Text 40 Indriyāni mano buddhir asya dishtāna mucchate etayar yesha jñānam avritya-dehinam the senses, the mind, and the intelligence are the sitting places of this lust. Through them, lust covers the real knowledge of the living entity and bewilders him. Purport The enemy has captured different strategic positions in the body of the conditioned soul, and therefore Lord Krishna is giving hints of those places so that one who wants to conquer the enemy may know where he can be found. Mind is the center of all the activities of the senses. And thus when we hear about sense objects, the mind generally becomes a reservoir of all ideas of sense gratification. And as a result, the mind and the senses become repositories of lust. Next, the intelligence department 
becomes the capital of such lustful propensities. Intelligence is the immediate next-door neighbor of the spirit soul. Lusty intelligence influences the spirit soul to acquire the false ego and identify itself with matter and thus with the mind and senses. The spirit soul becomes addicted to enjoying the material senses and mistakes this as true happiness. This false identification of the spirit soul is very nicely explained in the Srimad Bhagavatam 10.84.13 Yasyat mabudi konape tridatuke sodi kalatradishu bauma ijudihi yatir tabudi salile nakarhachich jane shabijigeshu saeva gokaraha a human being who identifies this body made of three elements with his self, who considers the byproducts of the body to be his kinsmen, who considers the land of birth worshipable, and who goes to the place of pilgrimage simply to take a bath rather than meet men of transcendental knowledge there, is to be considered like an ass or a cow. Text 41. Therefore, O Arjuna, best of the Bharats, in the very beginning, curb this great symbol of sin, lust, by regulating the senses and slay this destroyer of knowledge and self-realization. Purport The Lord advised Arjuna to regulate, regulate the senses from the very beginning so that he could curb the greatest sinful enemy, lust, which destroys the urge for self-realization and specific knowledge of the self. Jnana refers to knowledge of self as distinguished from non-self or in other words knowledge that the spirit soul is not the body Vijnana refers to specific knowledge of the spirit soul's constitutional position and his relationship to the supreme soul it is explained thus in the Srimad Bhagavatam 2.9 31. The knowledge of the Self and Supreme Self is very confidential and mysterious, but such knowledge and specific realization can be understood if explained with their various aspects by the Lord Himself. Bhagavad Gita gives, gives us that general and specific knowledge of the Self. The living entities are parts and parcels of the Lord and therefore they are simply meant to serve the Lord. This consciousness is called Krishna consciousness. So from the very beginning of life, 
one has to learn this Krishna consciousness and thereby one may become fully Krishna conscious and act accordingly. Lust is only the perverted reflection of the love of God which is natural for every living entity. But if one is educated in Krishna consciousness from the very beginning, that natural love of God cannot deteriorate into lust. When love of God deteriorates into lust, it is very difficult to return to the normal condition. Nonetheless, Krishna consciousness is so powerful that even a late beginner can become a lover of God by following the regulative principles of devotional service. So from any stage of life or from the time of understanding its urgency, one can begin regulating the senses in Krishna consciousness, devotional service of the Lord and turn the lust into love of Godhead, the highest perfectional stage of human life. Text 42 <clears throat> Indriyani paranyahur Indriyavyak paramanaha Manasastu parabudir Yobude padasastu saha The working senses are superior to dull matter. Mind is higher than the senses. Intelligence is still higher than the mind. And he, the soul, is even higher than the intelligence. Purport. The senses are different outlets for the activities of lust. Lust is reserved within the body, but it is given vent through the senses. Therefore, the senses are superior to the body as a whole. These outlets <clears throat> are not in use when there is superior consciousness or Krishna consciousness. In Krishna consciousness, the soul makes direct connection with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, the hierarchy of bodily functions, as described here, ultimately ends in the Supreme Soul. Bodily action means the functions of the senses, and stopping the senses means stopping all bodily actions. But since the mind is active, then even though the body may be silent and at rest, the mind will act as it does during dreaming. But above the mind is the ter determination of the intelligence. And above the intelligence is the soul proper. If, therefore, the soul is directly engaged with the Supreme, naturally, all other subordinates, namely the intelligence, mind, and senses will be automatically engaged. In the Kata Upanishad, there is a similar passage in which it is said that the objects of sense gratification are superior to the senses and mind is superior to the sense objects. If, therefore, the mind is directly engaged in the service of the Lord constantly, then there is no chance that the senses will become engaged in other ways. This mental attitude has already been explained. Param, drishtva, nivartate. If the mind is engaged in the transcendental service of the Lord, there is no chance 
if it's being engaged in the lower propensities. In the Kata Upanishad, the soul has been described as Mahan, the great. Therefore, the soul is above all, namely the sense objects, the senses, the mind, and the intelligence. Therefore, directly understanding the constitutional position of the soul is the solution of the whole problem. With intelligence, one has to seek out the constitutional position of the soul and then engage the mind always in Krishna consciousness. That solves the whole problem. A neophyte spiritualist is generally advised to keep aloof from the objects of the senses. But aside from that, one has to strengthen the mind by use of intelligence. If by intelligence one engages one's mind in Krishna consciousness by complete surrender unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then automatically the mind becomes stronger. And even though the senses are very strong, like serpents, they will be no more effective than serpents with broken fangs. But even though the soul is the master of intelligence and mind, and the senses also, still, unless it is strengthened by association with Krishna in Krishna consciousness, there is every chance of falling down due to the agitated mind. Text 43 Evam bude padam budva Sangstabhyatmanamatmana Jahishatru mahabaho Kamarupam durasadam Thus, knowing oneself to be transcendental to the material senses, mind, and intelligence, O mighty-armed Arjuna, one should steady the mind by deliberate spiritual intelligence, Krishna consciousness, and thus, by spiritual strength, conquer this insatiable enemy known as lust. Purport this third chapter of the Bhagavad-gītā is conclusively directed to Krishna consciousness by knowing oneself as the eternal servitor of the Supreme Personality of Godhead without considering impersonal voidness the ultimate end. In, in the material existence of life, one is certainly influenced by propensities for lust and desire for dominating the resources of material nature. <laughs> Desire for overlording and for sense gratification is the greatest enemy of the conditioned soul. But by the strength of Krishna consciousness, one can control the material senses, the mind, and the intelligence. One may not give up work and prescribe duties all of a sudden, but by gradually developing Krishna consciousness, one can be situated in a transcendental position without being influenced by the material senses and the mind. By steady intelligence directed toward one's pure identity. This is the sum total of this chapter. In the immature stage of material existence, 
philosophical speculations, and artificial attempts to, to control the senses by the so-called practice of yogic postures can never help a man toward spiritual life. He must be trained in Krishna consciousness by higher intelligence. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports to the third chapter of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita in the matter of karma yoga or how to discharge one's prescribed duty in Krishna consciousness. All glories to Sri Krishna and Arjuna to his questions and Sri Krishna's answers. This chapter has got a lot of very practical uh, knowledge in it. Uh, how to avoid the pitfalls of material existence and find one's way back to the lotus feet of Krishna. So, but it's only 7.24. We still got another, another, you know, 20 minutes to read. So I think I'll go on with the chapter. What do you think? We'll go on with the next chapter. Chapter 4. Transcendental Knowledge. Transcendental knowledge, the spiritual knowledge of the soul or God of God. Transcendental knowledge, the spiritual knowledge of the soul of God and their relationship is both purifying and liberating. Such knowledge is the fruit of selfless devotional action, karma yoga. The Lord explains the remote history of the Gita, the purpose and significance of its periodic descents to the material world and the necessity of approaching a guru, a realized teacher. Text 1 Shri Bhagavan Ubhacha Imang Vibhasute Yogang Proktavan Ahamavyayam Vibhaswan Manave Praha Manur Ikshvakave Bravid The Personality of Godhead Lord Sri Krishna said, I instructed this imperishable science of yoga to the sun god, Vivaswan, and Vivaswan instructed it to Manu, the father of mankind, and Manu in turn instructed it to Ikshwaku. Purport Herein we find the history of the Bhagavad Gita traced from a remote time when it was delivered to the royal order of all planets, beginning from the sun, planet. The kings of all planets are especially meant for the protection of the inhabitants, and therefore the royal order should understand the science of Bhagavad Gita in order to be able to rule the citizens and protect them from material bondage to lust. Human life is meant for cultivation of spiritual knowledge, an eternal relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the, ex and the executive heads of all states and all planets are obliged to impart this lesson to the citizens by education, culture and devotion. In other words, the executive heads of all, the st of all states are intended to spread the science of Krishna consciousness so that the people may take advantage of this great science and pursue a successful path, utilizing the opportunity 
of the human form of life. In this millennium, the sun god, no, sun god is known as Viviswan, the king of the sun, which is the origin of all planets within the solar system. In the Brahma Sangita, 5.52 it is stated, Yach chakshure sasavita sakala grahanam raja samasta sura murtirasheshate jaha yasyagyaya brahmati samvrita kala chakro govinda maripurusham tamaham bhajami Let me worship, Lord Brahma said, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Govinda, Krishna, who is the original person and under whose order the sun, which is the king of all planets, is assuming immense power and heat. The sun represents the eye of the Lord and traverses its orbit in obedience to his order. The sun is the king of all the sun is the king of the planets, and the sun god, at present of the name Viviswan, rules the sun planet, which is controlling the all other planets by supplying heat and light. He is rotating under the order of Krishna, and Lord Krishna originally made Viviswan his first disciple to understand the science of Bhagavad Gita. The Gita is not, therefore, a speculative treatise for the insignificant mundane scholar, but is a standard book of knowledge coming down from time immemorial. In the Mahabharata, Shantiparva, 348, 51 and 52, we can trace out the history of the Gita as follows. <clears throat> Trita Yugandao Chateto Vivaswan Manave Dadao Manuscha Loka Brityartam Sutya Keshwa Kave Dadao Ikshwa Kuna Zakatito Vyapya Loka Navastitaha In the beginning of the millennium, known as Treta Yuga, this science of the relationship with the Supreme was delivered by Viviswan to Manu. Manu, being the father of mankind, gave it to his son, Maharaj Ikshwaku, the king of this earth planet and forefather of the Raghu dynasty in which Lord Ramachandra appeared. Therefore, Bhagavad Gita existed in human society from the time of Maharaj Ikshwaku. At the present moment, we have just passed through 5,000 years of the Kali Yuga, which lasts 432,000 years. Before this, there was Dwapra Yuga, 800,000 years. And before that, there was Treta Yuga, 1,200,000 years. Thus, some 2,500,000 years ago, Manu spoke the Bhagavad Gita to his disciple and son, Maharaj Ikshwaku the king of this earth planet. The age of the current Manu is, is calculated to last some 305,300,000 years, of which 120,400,000 have passed. Accepting that before the birth of Manu, the Gita was spoken by the Lord to his disciple, the sun god, 
live as one. A rough estimate is that the Gita was spoken at least 120,400,000 years ago. And in human society, it has been extant for two million years. It was re-spoken by the Lord again to Arjuna about 5,000 years ago. That is the rough estimate of the history of the Gita. According to the Gita itself, and according to the version of the speaker, Lord Sri Krishna. It was spoken to the sun god Viviswan because he is also a Chatriya and is the father of all Chatriyas who are descendants of the sun god or the Surya Vamsha Chatriyas. Because Bhagavad Gita is as good as the Vedas being spoken by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, this knowledge is Aparusheyu Aparusheya, superhuman. Since the Vedic instructions are accepted as they are, without human interpretation, the Gita must therefore be accepted without mundane interpretation. The mundane wranglers may speculate on the Gita in their own ways, but that is not Bhagavad Gita as it is. Therefore, Bhagavad Gita has to be accepted as it is, from the disciplic succession. And it is described herein that the Lord spoke to the sun god. The sun god spoke to his son, Manu, and Manu spoke to his son, Ikshwaku. Text 2. Evam parampara praptam imam rajarshayo viduhu sakalene hamahata yogonashta parantapa. This supreme science was thus received through the chain of disciplic succession, and the saintly kings understood it in that way. But in course of time, the succession was broken, and therefore the science as it is appears to be lost. PURPORT It is clearly stated that the Gita was especially meant for the saintly kings because they were to execute its purpose in ruling over the citizens. Certainly, Bhagavad Gita was never meant for the demonic persons who would dissipate its value for no one's benefit and would devise all types of interpretations according to personal whims. As soon as the original purpose was scattered by the motives of the unscrupulous commentators, there arose the need to re-establish the disciplic succession. Five thousand years ago, it was detected by the Lord Himself that the disciplic succession was broken, and therefore He declared that the purpose of the Gita appeared to be lost. In the same way, at the present moment also, there are so many editions of the Gita, especially in English, but almost all of them are not according to authorized disciplic succession. There are innumerable interpretations rendered by different mundane scholars, but most, almost all of them do not accept the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, although they make a good business on the words of Sri Krishna. 
This spirit is demonic because demons do not believe in God but simply enjoy the property of the Supreme. Since there is a great need of an edition of the Gita in English, as it is received by the Parampara Disciplic Succession system, an attempt is made herewith to fulfill this great want. Bhagavad Gita, accepted as it is, is a great boon to humanity. But if, but if it is accepted as a treatise of philosophical speculations, it is simply a waste of time. Text 3 Saevaya maya teja yoga prokta puratanaha bhaktosi me sakachiti rahasyam yetad utamam. That very ancient science of the relationship with the Supreme is today told by me to you because you are my devotee as well as my friend and can therefore understand the transcendental mystery of this science. Purport. There are two classes of men, namely the devotee and the demon. The Lord selected Arjuna as the recipient of this great science owing to his being a devotee of the Lord. But for the demon it is not possible to understand this great mysterious science. There are a number of editions of this great book of knowledge. Some of them have commentaries by the devotees and some of them have commentaries by the demons. Commentation by the devotees is real, whereas that of the demons is useless. Arjuna accepts Sri Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead and any commentary on the Gita following in the footsteps of Arjuna is real devotional service to the cause of this great science. The demonic, however, do not accept Lord Krishna as he is. Instead, they concoct something about Krishna and mislead general readers from the path of Krishna's instructions. Here is a warning about such misleading paths. One should try to follow the disciplic succession from Arjuna and thus be benefited by this great science of Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Text 4 Arjuna Uvacha Aparang Babato Janma Parang Janma Vibhusataha Katam Etad Vijaniyam Twam Adao Proktavaniti Arjuna said, The sun god Vibhuswan is senior by birth to you. How am I to understand that in the beginning you instructed this science to him? Purport Arjuna is an accepted devotee of the Lord. So how could he not believe Krishna's words? The fact is that Arjuna is not inquiring for himself but for those who do not believe in the Supreme Personality of Godhead or for the demons who do not like the idea that Krishna could be, should be accepted as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. For them only, Arjuna inquires on this point as if he were himself not aware 
of the Personality of Godhead or Krishna. As it will be evident from the 10th chapter, Arjuna knew perfectly well that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the fountainhead of everything, and that the last word in tra and the last word in transcendence. Of course, Krishna also appeared as the son of Devaki on this earth. How Krishna remained the same Supreme Personality of Godhead, the eternal original person, is very difficult for an ordinary man to understand. Therefore, to clarify this point, Arjuna put this question before Krishna so that he himself could speak authoritatively. That Krishna is the supreme authority is accepted by the whole world, not only at present, from, from, from time immemorial, and the demons alone reject him. Anyway, since Krishna is the authority accepted by all, Arjuna put this question before him in order that Krishna would describe himself without being depicted by the demons who always try to distort him in a way understandable to the demons and their followers. It is necessary... Oh, I skipped the line. Arjuna... Sorry. I'll do the last sentence. Anyway, since Krishna is the authority accepted by all, Arjuna put this question before him in order that Krishna would describe himself without being depicted by the demons who always try to distort him in a way understandable to the demons and their followers. It is necessary that everyone, for his own interest, know the science of Krishna. Therefore, when Krishna himself speaks about himself, it is auspicious for all the worlds. To the demons, such explanations by Krishna himself may appear to be strange, because the demons always study Krishna from their own standpoint. But those who are devotees heartily welcome the statements of Krishna when they are spoken by Krishna himself. The devotees will always worship such authoritative statements of Krishna because they are always eager to know more and more about him. The atheists who consider Krishna an ordinary man, may in this way come to know that Krishna is superhuman, that he is Satchidananda Vigraha, the eternal form of bliss and knowledge, that he is transcendental, and that he is above the domination of the modes of material nature and above the influence of time and space. A devotee of Krishna like Arjuna is undoubtedly above all misunderstanding of the transcendental position of Krishna. Arjuna's putting this question before the Lord is simply an attempt by the devotee to defy the atheistic attitude of persons who consider Krishna to be an ordinary human being subject to the modes of material nature. And we'll stop there, 743. Hare Krishna. Krishna. These purports are so clear. Eh?
Okay, if there's any uh, points that stuck out in your mind that you want to reflect on, discuss further or whatever, please be our guest. Rati Manjari says, Jai Guru Maharaj. Jai Rati Manjari, Haribo. From Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Haribo Gopakanya Devi Dasi, Hari Krishna. She says, Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj, all glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Mm. <coughs> all glories to His Divine Grace. Jai Murari Das sends uh, Jai Murari Hare Krishna and from Bhaktamatsu Bhaktamatsu Haribo he says Hare Krishna Maharaj thank you for reading Bhagavad Gita as it is Ki Jai Bhaktivedanta purports Ki Jai Jai Ho Something just came from Rati Manjari. Haribo Rati. She says, Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my respectful obeisances. As I was hearing you read, as I was hearing you read, I was feeling the influence of Srila Prabhupada as a great transcendental teacher, mm. dismantling the ignorance of the mass of people mm. and unafraid to name the demons and their Oh, plans. yes. This is a very good point you've made, a wonderful reflection and realization. Thank you, Rati Manjari Devidasi. Prabhupada is fearless. And we, who are taking shelter at his lotus feet, should also become fearless. Once you become convinced of these eternal truths that are given by Krishna in the Gita and elaborated upon by Srila Prabhupada, explained properly, not speculated upon, but properly applied into uh, this life we call Kali Yuga, uh, it becomes fearless. This is the first uh, qualification one must have to renounce this world. Because we have created a labyrinth of situations that allow us to take shelter of uh, futility and energy that is obviously uh, prone to and uh, destined to uh, disillusion. It's called becoming attached to the ephemeral becoming attached to temporary things causes the soul to become bewildered. The more, bewild the more we are attached to temporary things, uh, the more bewildered we become. 
But if we use the things that we have, no matter what they are, in the transcendental loving service of Krishna, that's the first step toward clearing that fearfulness that covers everybody. It's the you can you know once you learn this knowledge and science, you walk down the street and you look at people's eyes and you can see it for yourself. They're afraid. Everyone in the material world is afraid. We have these seagulls that fly around here where we live, and they come down and they get into the garbage and feed themselves and all these things. But they're always looking around. Like, they're always looking around. Who's going to come and pounce on me and kill me, you know? Everyone in the material world is afraid because they don't know what's going to happen next, what to speak of what's going to happen when we leave the body. And therefore, everyone is afraid. So thank you for pointing this out, that Prabhupada's fearless commentaries, meaning unafraid to say the truth as it is, even if it's not popular. We're not here to become popular. We're not here to adjust ourselves so that we will become more popular. We're here to represent Srila Prabhupada, to give fearlessness to anyone who is willing to hear and in that way really help people whatever you give them how many hospitals you build no, no matter how many trees you plant it doesn't stop the fearlessness the fearfulness so thank you for that comment very important comment you went out of this material world you have to stop being afraid. Matthew Manjari says, What courage and what wisdom! What would we do without him? How can these revolutionary insights be transferred simply through reading? It is truly mysterious and transcendental. It is. It is. Therefore, Prabhupada insisted on calling this a spiritual science. Once you get that through your head, that this is not just somebody's idea, this is a science, it's not philosophy, it's not, you know, guesswork. It's a science. Spiritual science. You can't measure it in mathematical equations, but you can measure it by the effect it has on your insides, on your, on your consciousness. And we have the great learned wisdom, previous acharyas, who have realized this knowledge and then explained it in a way that makes it more and more potent, more and more sweet, more and more palatable. And all we have to do is drink it through the ears. That's all we have to do. It's like a I mentioned the other day a potent medicine even if you don't know anything about it and how it works and whatever if you just take it in the mouth it will cure the disease if it's potent if it's a potent medicine so there are five activities mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam and mentioned by Rupa Goswami in the Nectar of Devotion 
Bhaktivedanta Sindhu that are so potent that even if you don't have faith, if somehow whether you just do these five things, hear or chant the holy name, take Krishna prasadam, uh, read the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, associate with devotees, uh, live in a place with devotees, that means a holy place, and, and worship Krishna, the deity form of Krishna. They're so potent that even if you don't know what you're doing, you make spiritual advancement by doing them. That's spiritual science. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Gurudev. Hare Krishna Bhakta Matt. It's really nice to have your association and, and be here. Well, it's nice to have you here. It's nice, nice to have you here. Place. Yeah. I had a question. Um, when Prabhupada talks about lust, is that just any attraction to material energy? Or is it specific to one thing? No, it, it's, it is specific to one thing because everybody identifies with lust being sex and that activity and the, all the things that lead up to that activity. But in its true sense, it's, it's over-attachment to the material energy. There, there's a nice verse in the second chapter we just read, Jayato Bishyang Pungsa Sangaste Shupajayate Sangha Sajyate Kama Kama Krodo Bajayate Krodo Bhavati Samoha Samoha Smriti Bibrama Smriti Brahmashat Burinasho Burinashat Pranashati By contemplating the objects of the senses, which means material energy, material forms, and tastes and sounds and touch and all those things. Uh, one develops attachment for them. It's natural. And then um, when one becomes too attached to, to material energy, then lust develops. And the lust leads one to sex because it's the culmination of sense gratification. It's the most intense material pleasure that you can have in this material world. And the opposite sex, the bodies of the opposite sex, are the vehicles that attract uh, one to that activity. And in order to do it pro you know, properly, or whatever you want to call it in human form, you can't just do it on the streets like a dog or a cat or a pigeon or a seagull. You need a flat. You get a flat, you have a place, you have to have money, you have to have all these different things, and children come, and you have to have... So, if... Uh, one succumbs to the uh, attachment, to the lust, then one becomes frustrated. Because every time you try to satisfy your senses, with anything actually, uh, thinking that it will satisfy you completely, then you become frustrated, because it never does. It never does satisfy us completely. And even if there's some instantaneous release for a few seconds, and you feel some ecstasy, or what you think is ecstasy, very soon it builds up again. So then what happens is that frustration 
leads one to become angry. This is where anger comes from. It comes from frustration of not being able to satisfy oneself through sense gratification. And then when we become angry, then we become bewildered. And that bewilderment leads us to loss of intelligence. And by loss of intelligence, we can do and say anything. And then we fall down again in the material pool. That is the process of fall down. So, yes, it does ref- lust does refer to sex and all the things that go with it to try to improve it or whatever. But it, it, it also means uh, the material energy, attachment to the material energy, over-attachment to the material energy. We have need the body, physical body, has needs, you know, and th- therefore there has to be a certain amount of sleep. There has to be a certain amount of rest. There certain has to be amount of food. There certain has to be air. There ha- you know, all these things. There has to be a certain sense, sensual, you know, uh, satisfaction. That's there in, in everyone. But if we take it in the wrong way, and if we go outside of the laws of nature that are given in the Vedas to regulate these things, then it just burns like fire, like we just read. Dushpurina nalena cha. It burns like fire. It doesn't satisfy the, the, the fire. Hare Krishna. Therefore, we're forced to do it again and again, and each time we're forced to change something to make it so it will work. And that results in the materialistic development of human civilization. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. We got a couple of more minutes. Ananda Murti Devi Dasi. Ananda Murti Haribo. Osaka. Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my respectful obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Thank you so much for today's reading of Sri the Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita as it is. I thank Sri the Prabhupada because it is an authorized scripture which is never available for demoniac persons. Mm. I am feeling grateful that I have the chance to distribute this knowledge to the intelligent university students. Mm. I thought we must convey this important message to the next generation. Absolutely. May you be blessed to do that. So be it. More from Rati Manjari. Albo Rati. I also felt grateful to the hundreds and thousands of devotees who must have helped His Divine Grace to produce not only the Bhagavad Gita, all the 80 books which he left for us. What a meaningful and selfless sacrifice you all have made. I bow down at all of your lotus feet. Yes, and may you uh, give your blessings also to the publication of these books in the form of audiobooks because it's the time that it's, it's needed and it's 
the right time t- to put these books out in audio in f- sound form. Take advantage of while it lasts, you know, the technology while it lasts. Take advantage of it and get these books out into people's ears because it's more most important that they get it through their ears. The ears is the passive sense. You can't turn it off unless you put even when you have somebody speaking, you get it, it gets, goes into your ears. You can close your eyes or plug your nose or whatever, but your ears are always working. That's why when you hear nonsense, it's better to just leave the place rather than stand there and let your ears take it in and disturb you. Thank you, Rati, for that. And, and as of now, this is the last... Well, it's going to be the last because it's 8 o'clock. From Yudhutama? Yudhutama, Hari Bo. Hare Krishna Gurudev, please accept my humble obeisances and all glories to Prabhupada. Jai Srila Prabhupada. I found it really interesting how Prabhupada said that atheists often find statements of Krishna strange because they study Krishna from their own standpoint. Yes. But that by hearing these statements from devotees, they will gradually understand that Krishna is actually superhuman. I pray that my atheistic tendencies will thus be destroyed as well. Thank you for reading for our benefit. Hare Krishna, thank you very much. Very lovely uh, reflection and realization. Thank you so much. Yes, these books are powerfully, powerful, transcendentally powerful, and they can give one real knowledge and they can give the mind Real satisfaction. Bhagavad Gita as it is, ki jai. Samabeda bhakta vrinda ki jai. Gaur premanandi arihari bo. Same time tomorrow, same place, same topic. Transcendental knowledge. Satisfy the beast in us and make us human beings again. Hare Krishna, what to speak of pure devotees of Krishna. See you tomorrow. Hare Bo.